Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Elizabeth, thank you so much. God bless you for leading the Koinonia session. Good morning. Today is the 7th of March. We thank God for the gift of life. We thank God for a new day. We thank God for a new week. We thank God for a blessed weekend, the past weekend. We are alive. Irrespective of whatever happened last weekend that made you sad, you are still alive. So we thank God for the fact that we are alive. We thank God for the gift of life. We thank God for our families, our friends. We thank God for the beautiful fellowship. We thank God for His spirits and His Son, Jesus Christ. Today we are going to be talking about the someone title to shift your focus. Shift your focus. You know, um, okay, let me use marriage as an example. Because I believe that um, we're in the marriage covenant with Christ. If at any point you can't hear me, let me know, please. Um, we're in a marriage covenant with Christ, our Lord. So I'm going to use marriage first as an example. For those who are married, I'm sure you're aware of this. It's very easy to get too familiar with your spouse that you start to neglect your spouse or disrespect your spouse or you forget to do those things you ought to do to spice up your marriage. It's very, very easy. When you spend so much time with a person, it becomes very easy to become too familiar with that person. It's very easy. It takes discipline for you to remember your role in that relationship, your role in the person's life, and how you ought to be, behave. It takes a lot of discipline. In the same way, as children of God, it's very easy for us to get familiar with God. Where we start to walk in disobedience and dishonor. I don't find it funny when um, I hear people laugh about being disobedient to God. Ah, that thing God told me to do, I was supposed to do it. I just, I wonder where the awe and the reverence is because it's very scary. I have serious reverential fear of God. It's not like I'm perfect. I'm not perfect. There are times I mess up. No. But you see, let's not get to the point where we get so familiar with God. Where disobedience becomes a thing of play to us. Dishonor becomes a thing of play to us. For instance, King Saul became very familiar with God. To the point, let's look at that story where King Saul dis disobeyed disobeyed God and was told the penalty and still he disrespected the prophets because the reaction one would expect from King Saul was not the reaction that he gave when Samuel came to confront him. He was kind of proud about it and that is not even good because King Saul had already disobeyed God. What's, what part of First Samuel is that? So this would be his call. So sorry, I have to search for it. Um, first Samuel chapter 15. Let's, so let's look at it. Let's look at it. Oh, first Samuel 15. First Samuel 15. So God gave King Saul an instruction 
to wipe out the Amalekites. That was the will of God. And he gave an instruction for it to be executed. He gave this instruction to the anointed king of Israel. But the anointed king of Israel had become so proud and arrogant that he had taken the will of God for play. And even when he had disobeyed God, he was not seriously remorseful about it. When we sin, do we take it as a joke? When we delay obedience, is it a joke to us? When we dishonor God, is it a joke to us? Is it a joke to us? Or do we are we serious about what we have done? God is very merciful, but we must not got, get to that point where we get too familiar with Him that it's okay to do whatever we want to do. We must always yield to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We must always yield to the conviction. So let's look at verse 10 of that scripture. The Bible says, I'm reading the contemporary English version of First Samuel 15. The Lord told Samuel, Saul has stopped this, has stopped obeying me, and I'm sorry that I made him king. Samuel was angry and he cried out in prayer to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, he went to talk with Saul. Someone told him Saul, was, Saul went to Carmel, where he had had a monument built so everyone would remember his victory. Then he left for Gilgal. Samuel finally caught up with Saul, and Saul told him, I hope the Lord will bless you. I have done what the Lord told me. So you can see that Saul was so confident in his disobedience. He had gotten so familiar with God that Disobedience was now a way of life. He didn't even see wrong in what he had done because he boldly gave Samuel a report of what he had done. You can imagine that he said, I hope the Lord will bless you. I have done what the Lord told you. Verse 14, then why, Samuel asked, do I hear sheep and cattle? The army took them from the Amalekites, Saul explained. They kept the best sheep and cattle. So they could sacrifice them to the Lord your God, but we destroyed everything else. Samuel, who still had the fear of the Lord, reverential fear of the Lord, was amazed at this. Like seriously, how do you get to the point where you disobey? And you're giving an excuse for your disobedience with so much confidence. So verse 16, stop, Samuel said. Let me tell you what the Lord told me last night. All right, Saul answered. Samuel continued, you may not think you're very important, but the Lord chose you to be king and you're in charge of the tribes of Israel. When the Lord sent you on this mission, he told you to wipe out those worthless Amalekites. Why didn't you listen to the Lord? Why did you keep the animals and make him angry? But I listened to the Lord, Saul answered. He sent me on a mission and I went. I captured King Agag and destroyed his nation. All the animals were going to be destroyed anyway. That's why the army brought the best sheep and cattle to Gilgal as sacrifices to the Lord your God. Tell me, Samuel said, does the Lord really want sacrifices and offerings? You see, we, we can get to the point where we think we can bribe God with sacrifices and offerings and not our hearts. Because, like, I, I think I said this last week, or was it two weeks ago? Obedience is a thing of the heart. 
the day um i think that was the day Ken preached about posture and promises obedience is a thing of the heart so most times we think we can bribe god with action our offerings and sacrifices but that's you see what can you give god that he doesn't have giving god sacrifices and offerings is is better from a place of love and love comes love is better from your heart so you see if your heart is right then your giving will be right but if your giving is wrong Oh, sorry, if your heart is wrong, your giving will be wrong. If you're working in disobedience, even your sacrifices, your tithes, your offerings, and your service don't matter. Why? The Bible says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. So if, you re- if we really love God, obedience is one of the ways to show it. So this is what someone was telling him. He said, tell me, someone said, does the Lord really want sacrifices and offerings? No. He doesn't want your sacrifices. He wants you to obey him. Rebelling against God or disobeying him because you are proud is just as bad as worshiping idols or asking for advice. You refuse to do what God told you. So God has decided that you can be king. The consequence of his disobedience was the true meant. And you know, one of the dangerous things about this story I, I got from this story is that he was si- still seated on the throne in the eyes of men, but not in the eyes of God. That means God can dethrone you in his eyes. <laughs> and men will not know. A person can stop carrying the anointing and even people will know. With that thing said. Verse 24 I have seen Saul admitted, I obeyed both you and the Lord. I was afraid of the army and I listened to them instead. Please forgive me and come back with me so I can worship the Lord. So this guy's focus had shifted at a point. He got distracted. He was no longer focused on honoring God. His attention shifted. And he was not focused on men. What would men think? Many of us get to that point where we wonder, what would people think about this thing I'm going to do? Huh? Are you sure my pastor will approve of it? This thing that God is telling me to do. He? Ah. Hey. My family. Ah, my family is not in support of me too. Can't go and do this thing God is telling me to do. Hey. My friends will think I'm not cool anymore. I'll not be preaching the gospel and covering my body. What would would my friends think of me? If I tell you know, if I tell them that the Holy Spirit told me I should give them all the money in my account and they know that I've been saving millions, and God told me to give it to you. Hey! So we our focus shifts. Our focus shifts. Sometimes even our spouse that becomes idle. Ah, my spouse will not think I'm cool anymore if I start going to church seriously. Hey. Can't stand it. Can't stand it. So our focus shifts. Why? 
we've become men pleasers, not God pleasers. It's very easy for your focus to shift. Very, very easy. Very easy. You will know sometimes. It's when it's not bad that you realize that you are earned. It just takes little steps of compromise. Little steps. They tell you to lead worship in church. And like, if I lead worship now, that means, hey, that means I cannot, I can't be going to club now. People will not think I'm cool. Let me just be doing my worship online and pushing videos. By the time I take it to church and I'm standing at the puppy down, now I'll start looking on cool now. Hey, I can't do this. But you hear God telling you to do this and do that. And God keeps giving us instructions and we keep giving him excuses because we have become too familiar with him and our focus has shifted. We've forgotten our first love. Twenty-six. No, Simon replied, it's obey the Lord. Uh, okay, that's all I stopped. Yes, that's 24. I have since Saul admitted that I disobeyed both you and the Lord. I was afraid of the army and I listened to them and said, Please forgive me and come back with me so I can worship the Lord. No, Simon replied, you disobeyed the Lord and I won't go back with you. Now the Lord has said that you can't be king of Israel any longer. As Samuel turned to go, Saul, see, familiarity is a very terrible thing. Some of the people that I know who have found mistakenly, not the people that, who intentionally started a relationship with a spiritual leader they weren't supposed to start a relationship with. Most times, they start seeing the person as friend. No, and you start calling the person by name. Once the familiarity starts to creep in, you need to check it. Be very careful. Especially with the people you are not supposed to get too familiar with. It's very dangerous. For instance, your boss in the office. Be very careful. It's good to be friendly with people, but never leave that place of honor. It never, it never turns out right. It never turns out right. This guy, the king, got so familiar with the prophets. Some, some of us are very familiar with our prophets. They now become my guy. Check it. Check it. It doesn't mean that these people are not human beings, but it's a place of honor. Don't get too familiar. I've had someone close to me who nearly started a very funny relationship with a pastor. Why? The pastor said, call me friend, don't call me pastor. Relate with me like your friend. And then two married people almost had an affair. Why? Familiarity crept in. It crept in. It left the ground open. There were no barriers anymore. No boundaries. It got out of hand. This guy came to give the king the decree of the Lord. And what is Saul did do? Verse 27, as Samuel turned to go, Saul grabbed the edge of Samuel's robe and it tore. Samuel said, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel away from you today and he will give it to someone who is better than you. Besides, the eternal God of Israel isn't a human being. He doesn't tell lies or change his mind. Saul said, I did sin. 
please honor me in front. See his concern. Men. Verse 13. Saul said, I did sin. Instead of running and hiding in remorse, he was still concerned about his reputation. Saul said, I did sin, but please honor me in front of the leaders of the army and the people of Israel. Come back with me so I can worship the Lord your God. Samuel followed Saul back. Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel shouted, Bring me King Igagum, Amalek. That thing that you would not do for God, God can send someone else to do it. Don't get replaced. Come obey God. If there's anyone here, you still, you're still, I've been saying this thing for weeks and you're still delaying obedience. Oh Lord, have mercy. God, you're so, such a merciful God. Go and obey God. Stop getting too familiar with God. God is not your boy. He's not your boy. He's your Lord, your God, and your King. Even though he's father to you, he's still the sovereign ruler and the king. He created you. He gets to be honored and glorified. Stop disobeying God and start moving with that instruction. So this thing that the king did not do, the prophet had to do. Someone followed Saul back and Saul worshipped the Lord. Verse 32. Then Saul shouted, bring me King Amor. King Agag of Amalek. The guy came in chains and he was saying to himself, surely they will kill me now. But Samuel said, Agag, you have snatched children from their mother's arms and killed them. Now your mother will, will be without children. Then Samuel chopped Agag to pieces at the place of worshipping Gilgal. Samuel went home to Ramah and Saul, Saul returned to his home in Gibeah. Even though Samuel felt sad about Saul, Samuel never saw him again. That was it. That was the story. The prophet and the king. Remember, it was Samuel that anointed this king. This is a warning to all of us. Be very careful about familiarity, especially to people, with people that God sends you to. Sometimes God will tell you to submit to certain people. Be very careful. Don't get too familiar. You know one of the things I heard yesterday? And I was like, this familiarity thing. So what about these people are human beings, the people that, Lord, you send us to? And what he told me was this yesterday morning. If he sends a word through that prophet or the person he sends you for, to be under, to sit under, and you're too friendly with that person, you would not know when it's a, it's a word from him or when it's a joke. You miss the word he sends to you through that person. Why? People are laughing about everything. You're discussing everything. You don't discuss this decree. You obey. Because you have brought in familiarity, you miss the tonic of what he's giving you. You can have a good relationship with a person without becoming too familiar with the person. For instance, now, let's say you want to be mentored by your boss. You see your boss and your boss is very successful at what they do. Your supervisor in the office. And in your heart, even without telling the person, in your heart you know that I want to be like this person or be better than this person. I'm going to learn the work ethics of this person. 
I want to see how this person is successful. I want to learn from this person. And then you start getting too friendly with the person. Before you know it, you may get some things from the person, but you cannot get everything. Why? You start to joke about the things that are supposed to be serious. You may forget and your focus may shift. No, for, you may completely forget yourself and your focus may shift. Now let's look at another story in the Bible. This is another angle of shift um, um, shift your focus. We're going to look at the angle of faith. My advice this morning to us, including me, is that let's make sure that our focus doesn't shift. When God gives us a promise, stop thinking that God is man. Stop thinking that God is man. God is not man. Don't shift your focus, your faith focus. When you hear a promise from God, don't look around you for it to be executed. Look to God. It doesn't matter what time it happens. You know that this is God's word. It will come to pass. So even when you're worried, don't remove your eyes from God. Because the minute you remove your eyes, your faith will fail you. So if there's anyone believing God for a promise, don't shift your focus. That's my advice. Keep your eyes on him. Not on any man. Not on the economy. Not on the state of your nation. Not on the state of your job. Not on state of your work environment. Not on the state of your marriage. No, don't keep your eyes on any man. Keep it on God. You are believing God for the fulfillment or the manifestation of the promise. Don't look to anybody but God. You are serving God in church, in a ministry, in a fellowship, wherever it is you are serving God. In a cell group, whatever, wherever it is that you are serving God, don't look to, the, don't look to men for approval. Look to God. And even when no one appreciates you, you feel that no one appreciates what you're doing. Don't seek validation from men. Look to God. If you start to look to man, what you start to do is eye service. Before you know it, when a person upsets you, you no longer want to serve God. Why? Because it was man you were serving in the first place and not God. You stop going to church. You stop fellowshipping, fellowshipping with the brethren. Why? Man factor entered. The man factor. It's no longer. It was no longer about the God factor. You gave too much power to man. You need to give that power back to God. Give it back to God. For you to serve God for a long time. Your eyes have to be on God. That's why the apostles could serve the way they served, even when their master was no longer on earth. The focus was on the kingdom. To the point that one said, Don't, when he wanted to kill him, he said, Don't kill me the way my master was killed. Turn the cross upside down. It was all about the master, Jesus. It wasn't about man. Shift your focus back to God. That's the way to survive as a believer. Be 
because so many things are fighting for your attention. The world comes up with different kinds of trends. These days, the world even waters down sin. Sin is given a different and cool name. If you keep looking at what the world is saying, you will lose your faith. You want to keep walking on faith. The secret is keep your eyes on the Lord. Because in this world, there will still be trials and tribulations. If you look at the news, for how many years all you've been seeing, if you watch CNN, even when they're talking about something else, you see that thing, that, um, what they call that strip, that banner below. You see something about COVID, COVID reports. Now, it's about war. What makes you think that tomorrow there won't be something else? There will always be something new to make you anxious. Because the devil tries on fear. So he wants to keep you in a state of fear where your focus shifts to how, what do I need to do? And that's always the question that we ask ourselves. So what do I need to do? Not what is God saying? What is God saying? Matthew chapter 14, let's look at the scripture. That scripture is quickly. Matthew 14. Matthew 14. We'll be reading from verse 22 to 23. The contemporary English version. The contemporary English version. Jesus walks on water. That's the um, the title of this scripture. Matthew 14, verse 22 to 23. The Bible states, right away, Jesus made his disciples get, I'm reading the contemporary English, CEB, sorry, contemporary English version. Right away, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and start back across the lake. But he stayed until he had sent the crowd to me. Then he went up on a mountain where he could pray, where he could be alone and pray. Later that evening, he was still there. By this time, the boat was long away from the shore. It was going against the wind and was being tossed around by the waves. A little while before morning, Jesus came walking on the water, on the water toward his disciples. When they saw him, they thought he was a ghost. They were terrified and started screaming. At once, Jesus said to them, Don't worry, I am Jesus. Don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on water. Come on, Jesus said. Peter then got out of the boat and started walking on the water towards him. This is how we usually start. We usually start in faith. You give your life to Christ. Oh, your, your focus is on Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I love you. You're, 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 you're excited about a prayer conference, a word conference in your church. You're excited about prayer gatherings. You're excited about church. You just start praying in the spirit. Oh, you feel so empowered. You, are, you just got baptized. It's almost like roses, petals, flowers, rainbows. Everything is looking beautiful. Your focus is on Jesus. You start to walk in faith. You start to do crazy things. You go for evangelism. You're on fire. And very after some time, you start to watch TV and you just see that ah, this and this is going on. Eh? The price of dollar to Naira. Eh? Have you seen what is going on in Ghana? Hey? Eh? In Kenya? Hey? In the US? Oh my goodness. In Russia? Oh Lord. And you start to panic. And it's not like those things were not there. 
they've always been there. Even when your focus was on Jesus, they were always there. Let's look at the scripture. Come on, Jesus said. Peter then got out of the boat and started walking on the water toward him. Verse 13. But when Peter saw how strong the wind was, he was afraid and started sinking. Save me, Lord, he shouted. See, the previous verse says that. And he was walking on water towards him. And started walking on water towards him. So Peter did. Peter walked in faith. Peter was walking on water. He was walking on water. This was because verse 22 says that Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and start back across the lake. So this was not small water. It was not small water. So Peter was walking in faith at a point and then he saw. My question for you this morning is what are you seeing? What are you seeing? Think about this question. Right now, what are you seeing? Are you seeing a doctor's report? Is that all? <laughs> is that where your focus is? I remember a few years ago, someone told me, a doctor said, Sylvia, the way things are going, I think you have, <laughs> I think you have PCOS. I said, which PCOS? Young. <laughs> I said, because of this thing you said, write it on a piece of paper, give me your report. He said that? I said, write it. He wrote it. I went back home, put it in my Bible. I had to have a child there. Put it in my Bible and left it there. Let the word of God defeat the word of man. I left it there. And I said, my husband, my husband already laughed about it. He's a man of faith. Just laughed about it. He said, oh, it's just all of this. That is speculation. It cannot happen. And we just continued. And you see, just to show you that we, we didn't care what the doctor was saying. We waited for like two and a half years before we even started trying for a child. We were just chilling, man. We wanted to get to know each other, so we're just enjoying marriage. <laughs> we're just enjoying marriage. We're not, we're not in a hurry to have a child. It was already our plan from before we even got married that we're going to wait before having a child. It was supposed to be a year's wait, but it started getting too sweet. <laughs> Until they have to, they have to advise us. What's going on? These people are just enjoying honeymoon. It's time to have children. So, okay, okay. After like two, and, like close to two and a half, more than two and a half years. But I was not swayed by what the doctor said because the word of God is more valid than the word of man. So why would that? I wasn't even bothered. I wasn't bothered. Where is your focus? What are you seeing? Is the question. And see, please, I don't have PCOS. So that was just, he was saying, it may be. I said, because of what you said, just in case the devil wants to put a tick on it and put a stamp of seal, it's not going to work. Just write it. Because you see those lies? I put the lies in the word of God so the word of God can cancel the lie. Because it's not my, that's not my, that's, that, that's not, that's not the truth of my life. You didn't get, see, God, man didn't create me. God created me. So the word of God is more valid than whatever a man says. It doesn't mean that I don't seek medical advice. I do. But you see, I take that thing that he said and I put it against the word of God. Let's see who holds more, what, which one holds more water. Which carries more weight. What are you seeing is the question. Because this scripture says, 
But when Peter saw how strong the wind was, he saw his focus shifted. First, he was looking at Jesus. And then he saw, what are you seeing? That is shifting your faith. It's affecting your faith. What are you seeing right now? What are you listening to? An aunt or a parent that keeps telling you, you're getting older. Oh yeah, I'm almost 40. And you're not married. What are you hearing? You need to start changing what you're hearing. Shift your focus back on God. So this scripture says, but when Peter saw how strong the wind was, it's not, it's not like the wind wasn't there. Because the Bible says he saw. That means it was always there. So that means those, those factors that are supposed to discourage you, they will always be there. The time you were walking in faith with God, they were there. They were always there. The economy was always a mess. Politics was always a mess in your nation. Don't you understand? The price of food was always high. Insecurity was always there. But you were working in faith at the time. But then your focus shifted. Your focus shifted. Your focus shifted from your first love. Shifted. At a point, it shifted. They are planning to get married. You start making the arrangements, but you start to look at all the factors that are discouraging you. You've gotten your approval from God. Go ahead. You start looking at everything that can make this marriage, this wedding not go. The focus has shifted again. The Lord told you to start a new business. You started a business. And then people started talking about the economy is this economy. Everyone is in this business. Who told you they're going to make it? Everyone is in fashion. Huh? Everyone is in fashion. Everyone is in food business. Who told you you will make it? But you know you heard the Lord clearly. Are you allowing your focus to shift? Why? Verse 30, but when Peter saw how strong the wind was, he was afraid and started sinking. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Right away, Jesus reached out his hand. He held Peter up and said, You surely must, you surely don't have much faith. Why do you doubt? Praise God. Let's stop there. This is for anyone who, whose focus has shifted. Do what Peter did in verse 30. Cry out to Jesus and ask him for help. You need to put your focus back on Jesus. And you see, God is so merciful that when you cry out to him, he will help you. If you stand losing feet, ask the Lord for help. You have a help by the Holy Spirit. Ask for help. You can't do it on your own. It's only through Christ that you can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens and who gives me strength. So the strength is going to come from him. Put your focus back on God. It's not about your bank. It's not at all. It's not at all. It's about Him. It's always been about Him. It's always been about God and His glory. 
when man understands that it becomes easier for you to obey God because you know that it's not about you it's about God's glory it's about God's glory all things were created for his pleasure it's <laughs> your the purpose of your creation just in case you want to go and pay someone a thousand dollars to tell you so you sit at a three-day conference so they can help you discover your purpose it's in the word of God all things were created for his pleasure you were created for the glory of God that's your purpose to bring him glory so when you're running around from pillar to pole for someone to tell you why you were created that is why it's in the word of God it was never about you it was about God for his pleasure Put your focus back on the one who created you. He will empower you to do the thing he told you to do. Stop looking at yourself. Don't look into him. Sometimes God will tell you to walk. Sometimes he'll tell you to jump. Do it. Even when it doesn't make any sense, just do it. Those things he tells you to do. See me, I'm in Accra right now. You think it makes any sense for me to be here? It doesn't make any sense logically for me to be here. If one had told me, could you carry it financially? Ah, my family and I, at that point, we had we had gone through so much. Sorry. We even had health issues for more than a month because we were coming here. We got hit by COVID. We were down for like, it took us like a month to fully recover. But still we came. So it doesn't make any logical sense for us to be here, to have been here. And we've not, God has sorted out from the day we came into Ghana, God has sorted out our accommodation. We don't have to use our own money to pay for our accommodation. He sorted it out. That's the thing about when you obey God. He sorts out the logistics. Most of the time, we just don't trust him enough. And I remember before I came to Ghana, he kept on telling me that scripture in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He kept on telling me. I didn't know what I was in for. The kind of tests I've gone through in this Ghana was enough to break me. But you see, God is faithful. God is faithful. You need to trust God and stop giving excuses. Those excuses may seem valid to you, but there will be a day you stand in front of God. Don't give those excuses. Don't you have an opportunity to do right, do it now. As long as you are breathing, you can breathe in. You can breathe, breathe out. Do it now. Do it now. I'm ending the session now, but I'll end it with this scripture. Revelations 2. To the angel, messenger of the assembly church in Ephesus. This is the AMPC version I'm reading. To the angel messenger of the assembly church in Ephesus writes, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars, which are the messengers of the seven churches in his right hand, who goes out, who goes about among the seven golden lampstands, which are the seven churches. I know your industry and activities, liberals, toil and trouble, and your patient endurance and how you can cannot tolerate wicked men and have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special messengers of Christ, and yet are not, and have found them to be imposters and liars. I know you are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake, for my name's sake, 
and you have not fainted or become exhausted or grown weary. But I have this one thing. So this church has been doing well. But there was one thing they were not doing right. Verse 4, but I have this one charge to make against you. That you have left, abandoned the love you had at first. You have deserted in your first love. Remember then from what heights you have fallen. Repent, change the inner man to meet God's will. And do the works you did previously. This is for anyone who has not been on fire for God. Go back to your first love. This scripture says, and do the works you did previously. When first you knew the world. Or else I will visit you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you change your mind and repent. So this is an encouragement. Go back and do those things you used to do for God. You know that time you first gave your life to Christ and you started speaking in tongues and you first knew about the Holy Spirit and you know that love you had for God. Go back to it. Start to do those things you used to do for God. Whether you were serving Him, you were preaching. We were interceding for other believers. We were giving to the poor. Whatever it is we are doing in the name of the Lord, that labor of love you were doing with all passion, so much passion, go back and start to do it again. If someone hurts you in church, don't use church hurt as an excuse not to serve God. God did not hurt you. Man hurt you. You were disappointed in man, not God. Go back to the gathering of the brethren. Go back. You need it. Go back. Go back. No one is perfect. But you can pray for the church. You can do well by praying for the church. When you see that the church is not acting right, you have to pray for the church. You see a minister of God is not acting right, you have to pray for that minister of God. And if you know that there's a false prophet spreading lies about the gospel that is not in the word of God, you start to preach the gospel and start to preach truth. Don't sit back and judge. Start to serve. Because if someone is feeding the children of God poison and you are sitting back and judging the person, are you not part of that problem? Why don't you start preaching the truth? You that know the truth, what are you doing with what you know? Start to build up and not tear down. Go back to the house of God. Go back to the gathering of the saints. You need it because the devil likes to pounce on Christians who are isolated for long. He would tear you apart. He's not yet done. He's, see, his agenda is to, is to destroy you. Completely destroy you. He will keep isolating you until he has completely destroyed you. Go back to the gathering. You can start with fellowships. Until, like, I know someone, a friend of mine, I met her here in Accra, amazing lady. She's a believer. And she told me that she's been going to church for a very long time. She was a born again Christian. But she really didn't have an intimate relationship with God. She didn't at all. And then she joined the fellowship. She was, she's, she, she's um, partially based in the UK, but she now stays in Accra. And she was like, she joined the fellowship in the UK. and the first time she went there, she, was, she just heard them calling God Abba. And she was like, why are they calling God Abba? She couldn't, she couldn't understand why. It was almost annoying. So she went there with her friend and they were discussing why are they calling God Abba. So she had to ask and she said, why do they keep calling God Abba? Why do they keep calling God Abba? And the person explained that it's a thing of relationship. It's a thing of relationship when you start to see God as Father. So she didn't understand it. 
and many things in the Christian faith she didn't understand. When she joined the fellowship, her faith grew. And then, before you knew, she started calling God Abba. Why? She understood. She started having an intimate relationship with God. She now had a relationship. It wasn't religion anymore. With God. And she started to see him as father. She started calling Abba. Her faith grew. The fellowship helped her. So if taking little steps will help you come back to the gathering and trust, start to take those steps. Don't stay in isolation. No. Especially when the Bible clearly states, states it about the gathering. Go back to the gathering. Gather with believers. You need it. You need to be surrounded by light. I, I preached about this a few days ago when I was talking to those who are downcast and depressed. I said you must be surrounded by light because the devil thrives in darkness. You can't do it on your own. Sometimes you need someone else to pull you up. Make sure you have a community that can pull you up. Oh, and don't just be an observer in the house of God. When you go to your father's house during the holiday, you don't just sit back and watch. You help. You clean up the house. You make sure there's food. You, you participate. So why would you go to the house of God and you, you're okay being an observer? Is it not your father's house? Start to participate. Start to serve. Don't be an observer in any Christian community. Don't. If you believe it's your father's business, then put your hand to toil. Start to get involved. Ask in any gathering that you are, how can I help? Do you need hands? Do you know that in the fellowship, even in this fellowship, we need hands? We need hands. Have you noticed our social media page is dormant? But some people are skilled at social media management. I'm a social media manager, but I have so many things I'm doing for the fellowship that most times it skips my mind. But we have so many people here we need people. We need people to do this. We need people to do that. We even need people to raise funds, seeds. But you are an observer. Do you do that in your own earthly father's house? Do you sit back and watch? Do you wait for someone from outside to come in and clean up your father's house? No. You pick up the broom and you clean. You make sure there are groceries in the pantry. If you can do that for your earthly father, why can't you do it for your earthly father? How can you be an observer in the house of God? How? Even Jesus said, don't you know I'm supposed to be about my father's business? He's neglected the business of God and you're focusing on yourself. You know? Shift your focus back to God, please. Shift your focus back to God. Start to serve God with all your heart. The way you were serving you when you started, go back to your first love. Those things you used to do for God, put them again. Do them again. I pray that as you step step forth in obedience, that the Lord will help you, that the Spirit of God will guide you, that you'll be encouraged in faith, you'll persevere, you'll push forward. I pray that the Lord will surround you with divine helpers, encouragers in faith, who will keep cheering you on as you do what God expects of you. Those things that please the Lord. Those things that honor him. I pray that you will not forsake the gathering of the saints. I pray that you will walk in wisdom, in favor, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Please don't forget how much God loves you. God loves you so much. You are loved by God. God loves you. Never forget that. And please, endeavor to lead the soul to Christ. 
tell someone about Jesus. Get into discipleship. Start to disciple people for Christ. Tell them about this God that you serve, this God that you love, this God that loves you. Tell someone today. Encourage someone in faith. There's so many believers around you who are depressed. Encourage them. Pray for someone. Ask, can I pray for you? Pray for someone today. And I pray that you will enjoy the joy and peace of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed day, everyone. God loves you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.